Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome everybody to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, I always talk about four different types of freedom, time, financial, location, health freedom. And in that light, I'm always looking for others, influencers, creators, changing the world on the cutting edge, getting those conversations and sharing them with the world. So today I have a very esteemed and accomplished guest, Brett Ridgway. He's going to talk to us all about building a brand as a influencer and and creator. So we're going to talk about books, informational products, speaking, as well as doing your own events. And he's going to, he's the master of this. So it's going to be a great conversation. So Brett, welcome. Dr. Lewis, my pleasure to be with you this morning, sir. Yeah. Um, and we connected through Podmatch and it's, uh, you know, it's great. I'm always happy with the quality of guests and um, tell us more about yourself, your background, upbringing and how you got started. Sure. So I, you know, I trace what I'm doing today back to very specific things, but way back in like mid 1990s, 1995, actually, I think it was, I put up the first portal website in the plant engineering and maintenance industry. So I, I created a product for the company I was working for on rolling bearings. So the, the niche was industrial maintenance people. And I knew one product wouldn't a company make. So I made deals with McGraw-Hill and various other technical publishers and decided that we would market all these products via a website. So I put up the website called maintenanceresources.com back in 1995. Not around any longer, but back in those days, we were selling VHS tapes and books aimed at that particular niche. And during about the same time frame, I actually had a joint venture with a guy where I took on his hard-to-find marketing books catalog and put that online. But because of that relationship, when this person decided he was going to do his first internet marketing super conference back in 1999, he actually called me up and asked me if I had to handle the backroom sales table for him. Yeah. Honestly, doctor, I didn't even know what backroom sales meant at that time, but I hadn't been to Las Vegas before, so it sounded good to me, so I went out and agreed to do that. And that is where I start to get to, to know some of the speakers in the internet and information marketing spaces. And that led to a side business, actually, where I would provide the crew and in, more, in most cases, more importantly, actually, the merchant account that could handle a large sum of money in a short period of time across multiple speakers. So a lot of speakers are promoters in their own right. So we were doing that for more and more and more people. So over the course of like a 12 to 15 year period, I probably handled the back room about 150 events. Saw a couple thousand different speakers in person. And when they found out, actually, back in about 2002 or three, I think it was, uh, one of them cornered me at an event because he found out I was doing product fulfillment for my own websites and asked me if I would take on some product fulfillment for him. And I've been thinking about it for a while because it was a natural outgrowth of all the people I had gotten to know in the industry. And so with another guy, I put together a company called Speaker Fulfillment Services back in 2003. And Speaker Fulfillment Services is still around. Now, I'm, I'm not actively doing anything with them these days, but they provide product fulfillment services for speakers, authors, and information marketers. 
So it, it got to be where I was doing more and more fulfillment. And, and because I was doing the backroom sales table at all these events, I got to see what speakers do well, what they don't do so well. And, you know, that all led to a series of books. The first book I actually wrote was back in, gosh, 2007, I think it was, called View from the Back. And it was a tips for event promoters who want to dramatically increase their back of the room sales. Then I wrote a book about the 50 biggest mistakes I see information marketers make. And that eventually led to a book called Mistakes Authors Make and one called ABCs of Speaking. And I have a new one coming out sometime in 2023 called How to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. So my entire niche, so to speak, is the author, speaker, info marketer, expert space and focusing most of my efforts these days, honestly, on helping people who want to launch speaking as a second career. They've had business success, but they want to do speaking, learn how the industry really works and the things that they need to do and not do, et cetera. So, hmm. you know, that, that's kind of my journey and where I got to where we're at today. Interesting. Very fascinating because uh, I remember I, I sent my first email uh 96. Uh, you know, that's when the internet was just, and then um, I remember, uh, yeah, and I remember um, high school, you know, we were on bulletin boards and, you know, there was like Fortran and all this like C and all that stuff. I still remember using a telex machine. Yeah, um, but it's interesting. We'll talk about, you know, the trends you're seeing, you know, you know, everything's been, been on, you know, streaming. But uh, in, in your opinion, uh what's you know i have a lot of clients we have a lot of clients um interested in becoming entrepreneurs and thought leaders uh what's the best way uh author speaking um you know memberships you know th there's so many so much stuff what what is what would you recommend how yeah as, as i say you got to pick and choose your battles doc obviously but uh you know getting a book written is an excellent first start to because you can leverage that in so many different ways now, when you're getting into the industry, yes, you should have a book, but you need to realize that a book should be a front-end product, and the real money is in the back-end, higher-ticket products and services you can offer those people. So, I mean, very few people make a ton of money selling their book, honestly. I mean, the average author, I think I heard, sells 250 copies of their book. So, friends and family, and that's about as, as far as it goes. <laughs> but the book needs to be a lead generation product for you, and you've got to have those higher-end products and services in place when you come out with that book. So there's groundwork that definitely needs to be done. But a, a book is an excellent place to start, and it's a matter of figuring out what your message to share is and what is that going to lead people to. I mean, I actually have a, a longtime client, doctor, who's, a, I don't know if you know this name or not, but Dr. Keith Scott Mumby, he's an alternative health doctor, and he's written about oh, 15 to 20 different books on various aspects of health. And he actually sells a lot of books. I mean, our fulfillment company shipped thousands and thousands of books for him. And he did most of his marketing via being on podcasts and radio shows and all that. And so he would drive people to his website from those particular shows and sell uh, whatever the book was that he was featured in that particular episode. So, I mean, he's he's made some decent money on, on books, certainly. But I, I think he's more the exception than the rule in terms of monetizing your expertise through various channels yeah books can be a part of it but it's not where the real money is going to be made yeah how does it fit in with uh, digital products and courses um tell us more well it, it certainly you know people will say you still ship books you know the fulfillment <laughs> company and the answer is yes of course you do because there are so many people that would rather curl up on the couch or you know and read a book and they don't want to do it on time i mean i I don't do Kindle. I mean, I'd be honest. <laughs> you know, I'm not. 
If I have something that I, I download a PDF, I'm going to print it out to read it. I'm not going to read it online because if something's digital only, it's so easily out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. And I mean, how many things have you downloaded, Doc, that you never looked at again because they got lost on your computer and they're they're in the vapor, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's definitely a place for physical books and the fulfillment company still ships thousands of books per week. Now, it's one of those things where I, I always tell people that avoid the digital only pawn because it's a dangerous game to play. Mm-hmm. Had, a, had a client a few years ago who had a product that was a like a $497 product, very, very well-known marketing person in the internet space. And they decided they would convert that product to a digital only product and did so. Well, fortunately, this market was smart because they did still offer the option of getting the physical version still if you wanted. And they priced that di- that physical version at $200 more than the physical version. So, so instead of $497, that was $697. And this person told me that 80% of their customers were willing to pay the extra $200 to get the physical version versus doing a digital download only. Mm, interesting. Another well-known marker had a, a newsletter list of his thousands and thousands of people. I mean, maybe even a couple hundred thousand. I don't know the exact number, honestly. But they decided that they would convert that physical version to a digital version because, hey, it doesn't cost anything to deliver a digital newsletter. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it started happening right away. Unsubscribe, unsubscribe. I mean, they lost thousands and thousands and thousands of subscribers because people still wanted that tangible thing, that physical newsletter they could hold in their hands and open up and look at. So, yes, you need to have digital products, certainly, mm-hmm. and you ought to offer people both versions. But going digital only, in my opinion, is a very dangerous game to play. Mm, interesting. What about uh, consumption habits? Because some people re- prefer audio and um, video. Well, yeah, you need to certainly address different modalities when you're thinking about how you're going to share your expertise. And, mm-hmm. and as you know, some people are watchers, some people are listeners, some people are readers. I mean, it's a matter of having a mix of different modalities that you cover in your various products so that they can consume it in the method that they wish to consume it. Mm-hmm. I mean, product consumption, honestly, is what any information product is all about. Yeah. I mean, for example, let's talk about books, for example. For example. Well, I love, I love, go, love to go into a bookstore and go like to the marketing book section. And if I pick up a book, it looks interesting. You know, I'll start to page through the first chapter. And if I see that first chapter is 25 or 30 pages, it's like, oh, my God, this is too much work to even read one chapter. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to buy this book because it looks too hard to consume. <laughs> so I honestly think if you do a book, you should have very short chapters. I mean, the master of this is the fiction author James Patterson. I, mean, I, don't, know, I don't know if you ever read Patterson, but... I mean, his chapters are two or three pages long. So it's like, well, yeah, I can read another chapter. I can read another chapter. I can read another chapter. Next thing you know, if you've read that 30 or 50 or 100 pages because you're consuming them in real bite-sized chunks. So think about the consumption of your book when you're putting it together. It has a big impact. Even things like the length of your paragraphs, the size of your font, you know, what are you putting anything in that book to kind of give the eye a break, whether it's call outs, pictures, graphs, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. I mean, consumption is the name of the game for a book, because if you can't get them to read your book, the chances of them coming back to you for other products and services that you may have goes way, way down. So make it as easy as possible for somebody to consume the information that you have. Mm-hmm. Same thing applies to audio and video products. 
Yes, people still buy CDs and DVDs, believe it or not. Now, the fulfillment company doesn't produce nearly as many of those as they used to, mm-hmm. but there are some of us still where in the fitness niche, thousands and thousands of DVDs are shipped out because think about it. People that want to work out like to pop that DVD into the player and watch it on the big speed TV to work out in the living room and not sit at their desk and watch it on a computer. <laughs> DVDs still fit that market very well. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing a DVD, I think, you know, typically we would advise people not to put more than two hours of content on a DVD and make sure you have menus and break it into chapters in some way so that people can pick up where they left off, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody wants to have to start at the beginning of a DVD again to watch where they were. Same thing on a CD. I mean, typically we would advise clients to keep it to about 70 minutes maximum on a CD because that's roughly the capacity. And again, think about how you might break it into sections or chapters, whether it could be in time increments or based on topic or whatever. But if somebody doesn't have the opportunity to listen to all 70 minutes at one time, make it easy for them to go back and pick up where they left off so that they can consume that content. Interesting. Very fascinating. Sounds like you have to be on different. um, It's like you're increasing your distribution channels. in, In essence, you are. I mean, think about it. If you're selling a book, you yes, you have to be on Amazon because that's the 800-pound rule. That's where people go typically to look for books. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. But if you are a person who's developed any kind of platform at all, you're speaking on a podcast or you're speaking on a virtual summit or you're on a live event stage or whatever, and you're promoting a book, then you're crazy if you drive them to Amazon to buy your book. Because number one, Amazon, it's their customer, not your customer. You know, they don't pick up the phone and say, hey, Brett, Frankie Frisch bought your book on such and such. Here's his contact information. Have at it or whatever. So if you have the ability to control the traffic, drive them to your own website to buy that book or product versus sending them to Amazon or somewhere else to do that. Mm. I mean, there may be things you want to do to incentivize them to buy it from you. Maybe it's an author signed copy. Maybe it's an additional bonus. But other disadvantages of selling only via Amazon are it's their customer. You don't have the ability to include any type of insert or anything else in your package that you're shipping out. So if you have a sales flyer or even a bookmark or postcard or a thank you note or whatever, Mm -hmm. if you're you're doing your own fulfillment or using a fulfillment company, you can stick stick those extra pieces in that can help further your cause, so to speak. Amazon, they're going to ship the item and that's, you know, that's it. So you don't get the customer and you don't really get the ability to market that customer other products and services. Mm, now, mm-hmm. yes, you're gonna yes, you're gonna sell books on Amazon, certainly. And that's why it's important that you have in that book what we call bounce backs. And you got to drive them from that book to your website to get them to opt in, whether it's a bonus video, audio, PDF report, whatever it may be. You I mean you figure out what's gonna work in your particular area of expertise, mm-hmm. but you gotta drive them away from that book, get them on your list of it, and you can do the back end marketing to them. Oh, fascinating very uh, yeah very insightful uh, i never thought about that because you know when i'm speaking on stage i just refer them to amazon but you know what you're saying is actually more powerful because you actually can tr- you're saying what you're controlling the traffic and um, the next question is a lot of um uh, clients and people listening to this they want to be speakers uh what is the best way is it you know podcast webinar virtual is it live you know tell us more how, how can they yeah. create a living out of this all are great certainly virtual events is a much bigger player in the whole game of the speaking industry than it was pre-covid 
but live events are starting to come back and there are certain people that prefer live events because you get much better interaction and networking and all that live than via a summit. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the speaking industry is a fascinating one. And as I said earlier, I, I've heard a couple thousand speakers over my time in person. And there's some things they do well, some things they don't do well. But, I mean, first you need to define what area of expertise you want to speak about. And you should have more than one talk, honestly, because mm-hmm. there, you know, there are certain things where a particular topic is going to fit better to a given audience than maybe another topic topic that you can cover but the speaking industry there's two major types of speakers one is the what i call the the fee speaker and that's the keynote speaker who's paid a fee to come in and deliver their content mm-hmm. whether it's for a corporation or an association or whatever mm-hmm. there's also the platform seller speaker who typically comes and speaks for free pays their own cost to get to an event or whatever and then they're going to make their money selling in the back of the room, whatever products or services that they have. And honestly, that shouldn't be a book because typically event promoters want you to have a higher priced item to sell, whether it's a coaching program, a membership site, whatever, because in the typical multiple speaker event scenario, it's a 50-50 split between the speaker and the event promoter on those back of the room sales. So they don't want you coming in with a $15 book to sell because there's really no money in it for that, you know, for them in that scenario. So they want a higher ticket item. And those ticket prices have fluctuated over the years, obviously. I've seen people sell $25,000 programs. I've seen people sell $1,000 programs. For a while there, the price points went down because uh, back in 2008-9 when the downturn and just people weren't willing to spend the money. But the typical price point is typically about $2,000 these days on higher ticket items at events. You do see some $1,000 ones and other all that. But if you're really going to make any money as a speaker selling products on the stage, you need to have a high converting offer and it needs to be at a higher ticket price because you are you know, giving up a portion of that pie to the event promoter whose you know, stages you're going to be on. Mm-hmm. Interesting. How did, for example... Um, how do people um, get started as as a public speaker? You know, a lot of people they already have their brand and their courses and all of that, and but they want to be speaking. Yeah, I mean, first thing I think is out of the gate, you need to pretty much accept almost any speaking opportunity to get practice. I mean, but once you've honed the craft, then you got to get start picking and choosing your battles, so to speak. Uh, so, I mean, speak for a Rotary Club or a Kiwanis or a, you know Optimus Club or whatever, so that you can get more comfortable delivering your, delivering your content. I think virtual summits are great and, and services such as, you know, getting on as many podcasts where you're a proper fit for their audience is great. I'm actually starting a podcast myself after the first of the year called Spotlight on Speaking. Mm. And, it, you know, it's so fascinating, Dr. As you know, talking to so many different people and getting their point of view and their history and all that stuff. But as a new speaker, Get on services like Podmatch. It's pretty darn inexpensive. I mean, if you're just a guest, you want to guess, it's like $23 a month at the basic level. You enter your keywords that are appropriate for what you would want to talk about, and it'll match you up with appropriate podcast hosts that serve that same niche. And you just start reaching out to them and getting there and just more and more practice, getting more and more comfortable. And, you know, if you're delivering quality content, Yes, you had to be the first one spreading the word, so to speak. But, you know, these podcast hosts and summit hosts and event promoters and all that, 
Well, it's a big industry. It's also a small industry. I mean, they they talk together. They know who's good. They know who delivers value and all that. And I mean, there are certain things that you don't want to do as a speaker, but, you know, getting known for delivering quality content is the first thing that should be on your list. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Every time I'm on speaking stages, I'm always just trying to deliver as much value as possible. What's for the audience, you know, give them their money's worth. Um, and then, you know, you know, whatever happens, you know, that's karma. So um, what uh, is very, I love this uh, information influencer marketing, you know, whatever you call it, it's, um, it's just so, you know, the possibilities are endless. How do people contact you, follow you, uh, visit your website, et cetera? Sure. The, the primary website is brettridgeway.com and that's Brett with one T and Ridgeway with no E. But also if you think you have something to share that would be appropriate for the Spotlight on Speaking show, then hop on over to spotlightonspeaking.com and let me know your interest. And then if you have, um, oh, how do I say this? If you're interested in the whole speaking industry, my new book coming out next year is How to Build a Profitable Speaking build Business. And if you go to build a ProfitableSpeakingBusiness.com. Let me know your address, so I'll let you know when the book actually comes out. It's being published by Morgan James, and I'm going to guess we're looking at maybe June, but I'm certainly hoping to push that up as much as possible. And for all the audience out there listening, um, Brett's resources will be in the links and show notes. Be sure to check out his books through his via his website, as opposed to Amazon, and um, be sure to follow him on social media. Thanks so much for. Uh, you know, information packed podcast. And thanks for coming on to the show. My pleasure, doctor. Thank you so much.